This podcast series has been brought to you by Tesco in partnership with the Camogie Association. Tesco, every little helps. On this week's episode, we are talking about nutrition and we're very lucky to be joined by Emma Brennan, Academy Performance Nutritionist with Connacht Rugby. So we talk about some common misconceptions in nutrition. We talk about what parents need to know about nutrition and hydration for youth players, how coaches can support players to build healthy habits, and we touch on the importance of language and how we talk to female players about nutrition. You can subscribe to the Coaching Bubble podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, and you can keep up to date with all things Coaching Bubble podcast on social media at Bubble Coaching. Enjoy. Emma, thanks so much for coming on. Delighted to have you. So we're talking all things nutrition, and I suppose... Often when people hear nutrition and sport, they think elite athletes or they think supplements, etc. So I suppose my first question to you, is that a common misconception? And then my second question then is, what is uh, nutrition mean to you for that youth athlete? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Um, I really appreciate it. So yeah, that is a common misconception. And it's a conversation that I often have with both coaches and parents of youth athletes. Um, I think sometimes, especially maybe parents, if I come in to do a little bit of nutrition work or a talk even with um, a group of youth athletes, the parents are silently very scared that their food bill is going to go through the roof. Um, And that's absolutely not the case. You know, I think the most important thing is that Number one, from a nutrition point of view, what we want to do is support the health of the young athlete um, and then secondary to that, support their sports performance from a sports nutrition point of view. So, I mean, it's back to basics when it comes to nutrition. It's all of the key things that we all know we should do. Um, It's just whether or not they're done. So, you know, getting your fruit and vegetables in, making sure you have enough sort of fresh, high quality foods in your diet. But supplements are at the very, very top of what we call kind of our performance nutrition pyramid. So unless you have enough energy from the right types of foods, um, unless you're getting your micronutrients in from all your fruits and veggies and a wide variety of foods, we don't look at supplements and we don't look at supplements for um, a youth athlete. So really, it's, I suppose, bringing it back to basics and looking at it from a food first approach. And the majority of the time when I talk to parents um, or I talk to coaches, what they have in the fridge is absolutely fine. What they have in the cupboard is absolutely fine. Um, so a lot of what I do is actually reassurance when it comes to um, that side of things and kind of saying, do you know what, it's absolutely okay. What you're doing is fine. Maybe we can make a few tweaks here and there. And often it comes back to not what the person is eating, but maybe why they're not eating something or why they are eating something. So it's much more down to kind of habits um, and the habits that you can create in a home um, or within a coaching environment as well. Okay, so I suppose what you're talking about there is there's a lot of education on your part in terms of getting rid of any of those misconceptions, outlining, look, we do this for health, and then and then we build on that to uh, hopefully benefit your performance in whatever your chosen sport is. So... Um, can you give us some examples? So people listening now might be thinking, okay, I'm involved with a, an under 14 girls team or whatever that may be. So what's a, a, a typical, let's just say they're playing involved in a team sport, we'll, we'll use Camogie. What's a typical week look like for them? Two training sessions and a match and maybe a couple other bits and pieces going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose, as you said, like if you look at their typical week, what I would encourage kind of parents um, to do is to sit down with... Um, when they get five minutes to sit down and look at the week ahead and go, okay, well, when am I training? Um, do I have a game at the weekend? And have I um, got what I need in terms of my nutrition around that? 
So for example, on a training day, have I got enough energy? Have I got enough energy heading into this training session? And I suppose it comes back to planning and preparation and involving the athlete in that if they can. So involving the young person in that. So, okay, look, Emma, you're training um, after school. You're training at six o'clock on a Tuesday. What does your Tuesday look like in terms of um, what we're bringing to school, the snacks that you have? And is that going to help you to have enough energy for your training session and to support your, um, your day in school as well? So for that age group, what we'd often look at is just helping them to understand their energy needs and knowing that, okay, they need energy for their day to day, but they also need energy for this training session at six o'clock in the evening. And how does that work practically for them throughout the day? So looking at your week and going, okay, I'm training on Tuesday and Thursday. So in school, I want to make sure that I have enough energy from my food. And, you know, for parents, it's kind of um, education. And for the young people, it's education around where we get that energy from. So we're looking at our carbohydrate based foods, essentially, um, for a training day. Um, So we're making sure we have bread, rice, pasta, porridge in the morning, some fruit, some dried fruit, maybe some yogurt throughout the day. So it's looking at your lunch in school and going, okay, well, I'm having my roll, I'm having my yogurt, maybe I'm going to bring a piece of fruit with me as well. Maybe I'll have a cereal bar. So I'm making sure that I have enough energy um, for that training session. And then I suppose it's looking ahead then to when the training session is. So it's at six o'clock. So have I got enough energy um, between when I get home from school and when I go to that training session? Do I need to make sure I have a light meal or a snack at that time? So again, I suppose it's sitting down with the athlete and looking, involving them in that process as well and saying, okay, we need to make sure you have enough um, energy for school, for focusing in school, and then extra then to support your training session later in the day. So it comes back to, again, education around what they need um, in terms of food and then practically how does that fit into their week? Uh, yeah, it's really interesting that you said you, you talked about planning the day, which I was expecting, and then you talk about planning the, the meal for after training. It, that's equally as important or maybe even more important and then is that something that's often forgotten it is i think we do so much preparation and this comes i suppose linking into say for example a game i'm always always asked you know what should i eat before a game what should i eat before a game but really the recovery side of things is just as important because if we don't recover properly we aren't putting ourselves um, at an advantage or putting ourselves in a good place to train um, the next time or to train the next day or to play a game. Um, and if we don't recover properly, we're putting ourselves at increased risk of injury, illness, all of those things that we don't want. So I think when it comes to, from a recovery point of view, we're talking about four hours of recovery. Okay, so we've got refuel. So refuel means to replace the energy that we lost because there's no point in preparing really well, having lots of energy for our day and for our training and then not replacing that because we're putting ourselves again at risk of um, of not having enough energy for our next training session and for our day anyway. So we want to refuel with some carbohydrate based foods. So um, that's number one. Okay, and I'll talk about what that might look like in a moment. And then we've got repair. So we're repairing the body with protein. Um, so that's to help our muscles to repair and um, because obviously we have damaged them during the training session. So we want to repair them. And then we're looking at rehydration as well and resting. So that's our last two hours, rehydrating and resting the body as well. And I suppose so when you come home from training, what you might have is your dinner. So you might have your dinner at half seven or eight o'clock and that might be a spaghetti bolognese or a chicken curry or a tofu stir fry. So you're getting your protein from your meats, fish, beans, um, chickpeas, lentils, tofu, things like that. And then you're replacing that energy from your carbohydrates by having your pasta or your potatoes or your noodles. And then you're getting in some um, some vegetables. So 
once we've ticked those boxes in terms of our recovery, we know, okay, well, I've helped the body to repair itself. I'm putting myself um, at an advantage heading into my next day and into my next training session as well. So always kind of think, you know, am I fueling or am I recovering? Am I fueling or am I recovering? And we can often, I suppose, get caught up in our day-to-day and all of a sudden it's um, five to six and we realize we haven't prepped for our training session and we don't have anything in the house for after the training session as well. Um, and from a recovery point of view, it really just depends on the player. Um, it can be something really simple. It doesn't have to be a big meal if, you come in, if you're coming in late from training. It can be something um, like a pint of milk and some scrambled eggs on toast, you know. Um, so I think it's really important that parents as well know that it doesn't have to be this big extravagant meal. It can be back to basics and back to something simple but functional. Okay, so the five to six rushing out the door, grabbing a can of Red Bull on the way to training is is a big no no, yeah. No, it's a big big no no, Stephen. So I hope I'm getting I'm getting some vibes that that might be something that you do. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. I have to talk about that offline. We'll, we'll talk about that offline. So um. Uh, so basically, again, though, what you're talking about in making people aware that they're, of what their energy requirements are for the day. So again, it's back to the education piece. And I sense this is a common trend. That you're invo- you, you talked about involving the athlete, invo- involving the youth. So you're basically trying to, to bring them along that journey rather than them pushing, them, pushing it, at, it on them. So does, that, does part of that involve education around how to cook for themselves or how to know like how does someone know how much energy they're going to need or, or how much energy is in a dish that they're cooking or, or whatever that may be? Absolutely. So I suppose there's a couple of things there. Um, the, core, the core piece is education, obviously. But I mean, these young athletes, they're being educated in school every single day. And sometimes when someone is coming in externally, that can be extremely beneficial. But from my point of view, what I like to do is I like to provide the education and then support the habit change. So it's very, very different for, you know, for me to go in and give a talk to somebody, give them that information and then leave again. You really have to kind of try and build in practical strategies each week that um, complement the education. So it might be something really, really simple. I could go in and I could talk to people about recovery. So I could go into, say, an under 14 girls team and talk to them about recovery and then leave. And all they've been left with is essentially another lesson that's similar to school, which they might not take anything away from. So it's about giving them practical um, practical things to work on. So as you said, it might be, OK, this is what your recovery meals might look like. This week, just pick one recovery meal and make it yourself. And that could be boiled eggs on toast. And it's about educating them, okay, well, these eggs are giving you protein to help your body repair and the toast is helping you to replace the energy that you've lost. We're going to throw in some mushrooms there to get some nice vegetables in. Um, you're going to have, you're going to make a nice smoothie. So smoothies are really simple. You can have this smoothie after your training session on a Saturday morning or after your game. You're getting lots of fruit in there, which is fantastic. We're getting our yogurt in there to help our body repair again. Um, and you're getting lots of really good stuff. But it's again about yes education but then giving them practical things that they can a do themselves but b that they enjoy doing and because there's nothing worse than someone coming in and talking at you and then leaving you with nothing and so yes the education is hugely important and then it's about giving them their practical strategies and supporting them in that from um, a parents and coaches point of view as well yeah no it's really good i love the way you talk about uh, trying to to instill good habits and so in in your 
in your experience, how long do those bad, ha I hate using the word bad habits, but how long does it take to instill more good habits, let's say around nutrition? Is it? I, I totally take your point. I've been on countless teams where the manager brings a nutritionist in at the start of the year, tells us what we should be or shouldn't be eating and then it's gone again and sure it's forgotten within a week or two. So I, I fully understand that that support sort of uh, um, throughout the journey is, is really, really important. But I'm just curious, so, so how, do we, how do we change those, those bad habits into good habits and, ha and how long does that process take? Because I think this would be useful for people listening and that it's not, you're not going to fix bad habits in a week, but we can, there's definitely ways to get good habits instilled over, over a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it takes time. Uh, it certainly, certainly takes time. It takes repetition. But as long as the goal that you've set is not absolutely huge and it's manageable, that's when the change can happen. So, for example, if we take hydration, um, hydration can, is a big issue across the board in terms of um, maybe athletes not arriving to training hydrated, for example. So a really simple thing you can do as a coach or as a parent is reiterate each week or each training session. Have you got your water bottle? you know, um, we need to make sure that you're hydrated arriving to training, but are you bringing your water bottle to training? And making sure that that's reiterated each time they arrive um, or at a game as well. And as a group, so even if you are a coach and you've got the under 14 girls team and you've noticed that a lot of them are showing up to training without water bottles, you make a collective decision to say, okay, guys, we need to bring our water bottles to training. And then each week then you're instilling that habit, you're instilling that habit. And it can take time and there will be ones that show up without their water bottle time and time again. But if it's coming from the top down and if it's a group environment where that habit, those habits are building um, collectively, that can be really, really powerful as well. So I would say that number one, it needs to be um, repetition. Um, and number two, it needs to be something that's very simple to change and build on. So um, I know James Cleary talks about, you know, habit stacking. So once you've got one habit, um, which could take four weeks. It could take four weeks for the entire team to finally bring their water bottles to training, but that's fine. But as long as we say, you know, at the end of that, guys, well done. We've made really, really good progress in terms of bringing our water bottles to training. This week now, what we're going to do is we're all going to try and make a recovery smoothie and we're going to take a picture and send it into our group or whatever it is. So we've got the water bottles sorted. That's really, really positive. Let's build on that now and let's give it another four weeks to make sure that everyone um, is on board with these new changes and that's really important too you know from a management coach's point of view that it's reiterated week on week um training session on training session and that it's a collective approach that it's not the um coaches saying you must do this um, it's the coaches getting involved as well and um when the players can see the importance of that that's very powerful as well yeah, no, and I love the way you talk about them small goals. So just uh, attainable goals, and then get them and then build on them, and that positive reinforcement it's powerful. Uh, you mentioned uh, hydration and uh, potential issues in uh, young female athletes coming up not fully hydrated in preparation for training. So could you maybe just talk about the importance of hydration, and then um, maybe a bit more about that that issue that might be there? Absolutely. Um, I think it's an issue across the board. Um, I mean, it, it can be it can be an issue right down from, from the very bottom right up to elite athletes. Um, so, you know, being optimally hydrated is one of the most important things that we can do, not only for our health, but for our sports performance as well. If you're not hydrated, that's going to have a knock on effect on everything else, regardless of, you know, if you have 
hit your protein goal if you're eating 10 portions of fruit and vegetables a day if you're not hydrated that's going to have a negative impact so in terms of sports performance it can lead to i suppose early feelings of fatigue and um, it can make everything feel a little bit harder um, so your effort can just be um i suppose it can feel everything can just feel harder when you're training everything feels much more difficult it can lead to um, increased risk of injury and um, all of those things that we absolutely don't want so the easiest thing to do um, and this is something that I'd encourage any, maybe even coaches, this may be something really small that you can implement, um, is printing out a urine chart. So there's lots of them online, printing out a urine chart and sticking them up around um, your club, okay? Um, maybe put, popping them in the bathrooms. So on urine charts, we're looking at one to three. So the um, top of the urine chart, that light straw color, that's the easiest way for people to monitor their urine color, okay? Um, so what we want to do is make sure that we're arriving to training hydrated. So we're in a hydrated state throughout the day and in preparation for training. And then obviously we're bringing our water bottle and we're, we're, um, we're rehydrating throughout training. But it is a big issue. Um, and it's something that I think people, people really do struggle with, particularly if there's someone that finds water a little bit boring or, you know, a lot of the athletes I'm working at, working with at the moment are struggling because they're wearing masks. Um, and it's more difficult to to sip sip at water but the easiest thing i suppose for young athletes to do and for parents and coaches to be aware of is is that urine color um and encouraging athletes to check their urine color regularly and make sure that they're at that one to three that light straw color if they're down near four to six so they're noticing that their urine is a little bit darker keep sipping at fluids and um, so it's not just water it's all fluids that will count towards your um, fluid intake keep sipping at fluids until you bring it back up to that one to three um but that can be something really simple to be implemented um at a club level, I suppose, um, and encourage that hydration. Yeah, and again, it's it's simple, uh, attainable goals and 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 small things, and hopefully all these small things add up to add up to the uh, to, to one big thing. Um, in terms of of people struggling to drink water, what's so sports drinks good, bad, sometimes, not never. Yeah. Give us the lowdown. So I suppose sports drinks are different to, to the likes of energy drinks. So we mentioned Red Bull earlier on, so that would fit into the kind of energy drink category. Um, so sports drinks then, they contain a source of carbohydrate and they contain electrolytes along with the likes of water, for example. So in very, um, in very specific situations, they may be beneficial. So you'll often see them if people are running, um, running in a race or they might have them at the side of a pitch during a match. For young athletes, what we're really looking for is that they're just hydrated. Um, and if you've fueled correctly in terms of your preparation for a game, for example, and you've made sure that your body is well fueled in terms of um, your carbohydrate intake and that energy intake, if you are just sipping at water throughout your game, you'll be absolutely fine. At a higher level, then we may look at introducing sports drinks in specific situations like games. Um, but for younger athletes, the priority is that they're well fueled and the priority is that they're hydrated and there shouldn't be any need for, for sports drinks, particularly at a younger age group. Um, we don't want to rely on them. We want to make sure that you are getting your water in. So if you needed a little boost at halftime, for example, even having you know some orange, um, a, a few segments of an orange would be absolutely fine. So in certain situations, they're fine and we do talk about them in the sports nutrition world a lot and they are used. Um, but the priority is that you're well fueled and that you're well hydrated. Perfect. So they're the exception rather than the rule. We'd be saying if any parents listen. Brilliant. And they okay. Be relied on. Yeah. Excellent. So, 
So in terms of, of parents or coaches, and you've touched on some ideas or, or, or some strategies already, but are there other, is there any other practical tips you can think of for how parents or coaches can support players to be meeting these, um, their, the, the nutrition goals and nutrition and, and hydration goals? And I suppose we're going for health first and, and then building on that for performance afterwards. Absolutely. So I suppose um, they will overlap in terms of um, what players can, or what parents can do and what, what coaches can do. Um, I suppose from a, from a parent's point of view, it's about, and from a coach's point of view, it's about setting an example and reiterating the importance of nutrition. So an example that I often give is to, if parents and coaches can have the conversation with a player where they zoom out from, say, their training week, and we spoke about maybe... Um, a team having two or three training sessions and a game at the weekend. If parents and coaches can zoom out and look at their week in terms of hours and break it down by hours for um, for a player. So, okay, you might be training for five or six hours per week, four or five, six hours per week. But what are you doing in the hours outside of that? So that's where um, it can be quite a nice visual for players to look at their week and say, well, actually, in the hours outside of that, I'm probably eating quite a few of those hours. I'm probably sleeping quite a few of those hours. So actually, I can make really big gains within those hours. So if we can say to them, you know, what you do in the hours outside that training is going to benefit your training, it's going to benefit your sports performance, and overall, what our priority is, is going to support your health. So number one, I suppose, is leading by example. Um, for parents and for coaches as well and reiterating the importance of nutrition regularly again it's fine to say it at the start of a season and then maybe halfway through and at the end but if we can reiterate the message each week that can be really powerful as well practically from um, being at home obviously maybe maybe you're looking at that week and you're saying okay well actually you're really busy in school and you have to stay behind school um, on Tuesday afternoon for study or for grinds or whatever it is we have very small gap between when you're going from school to your training session. Why don't we try and look at some snacks that we can batch cook and involve the athlete in that and involve the athlete in taking ownership for that? Um, so again, it's looking at your week and then it's looking at where your nutrition fits in. Is it a busy day? Do I need to prep, uh, prep some snacks? Do I need to prep some food? And involve them in that as well. Even saying to them, you know, okay, well, if you have a busy day and your training sessions later on in the day, what do you think might be beneficial to have for your lunch? What would help you to feel nice and full and give you that energy for their training session and give the ownership back to the, to the young player as well? So I suppose, again, leading by example, setting those little small targets each week and building on them. And then from a coaching point of view as well, it's, it's coming back to placing the emphasis on nutrition within a club setting, even printing out those urine charts, popping them up, maybe printing out a few resources did you know, little facts, did you know that carbohydrates like bread, rice and pasta provide energy for your training session? And then if, I mean, if the funding is there, maybe investing in having some nutrition support for a couple of weeks um, or asking someone to come in and, and provide some of those resources to, to do up some of those resources as well. Again, it comes back to repetition and it comes back to building the habits both in the home and in the club as well. Often what what I've seen and especially in the last couple of months is there is this emphasis on nutrition um, and it's fantastic to see and it's really really it's very powerful to see both coaches and parents um, investing in nutrition um, and clubs investing in their nutrition as well but what I have seen is that it does take time so just to be patient with it um, and to not put too much pressure on yourself or on the young athlete as well to make big changes 
So small changes um, and I suppose repetition as well. And then leading by example um, would be kind of the key things that I would say from both a parent's point of view and a coaching point of view as well. Yeah, no, and I think that's brilliant. And there's just so practical the tips that you're giving Emma that anyone listening can can go and do. It's not like they need to have a massive education or or train themselves up in anything. They're small, simple little changes that they can do, and if implemented correctly, would be the benefit of the whole group or the individual athletes that they're working with, which is brilliant. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on before I let you go. So how important is, is language? So particularly when we're de- dealing with young female athletes, how important is language around nutrition when we're talking to them? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Um, and it's something that I come across a lot um, in terms of, I suppose, from a nutrition point of view, we're always conscious of the language that we use around food. And that might sound a bit foreign to people in terms of, um, what what do I mean when I say the language around food? And it's how we talk about food. It's how we talk about our bodies as well. Um, so for both female and male athletes across the board, it's important for coaches um, and for practitioners to be mindful of the language that they use around food. So for example, I personally try to avoid when I'm speaking to anybody, um, even when I'm talking to myself, which I do a lot, is um, to avoid labeling foods as good or as bad, for example. Um, so this food is good and therefore um, you are good for eating this food um, or this food is bad and therefore you have made a poor decision by eating this food and that's just not the case um, and I think you know when we're speaking to young athletes in particular they're going through a period of growth and development their bodies are changing and it's important for us to be really mindful of that that they might be extra mindful of their body Um, And they might be extra mindful of the food that they're consuming. So rather than labeling foods as good and bad um, or maybe focusing on changes in in bodies um, or focusing on body composition or that kind of thing, particularly at a young age, I think it's really important that we nurture a really safe environment and a really healthy environment around food and the education that we provide around food. So we give them the education and give them the tools to know that it's really important to fuel your body for health and for sports performance, it's really important to recover. It's really important to hydrate. And this is how that will benefit both your health and your sports performance. Rather than saying, well, we shouldn't eat this and you can't have this and this is going to make you X, Y, Z or this is going to change your body in some way. Because while it might not seem like a big deal, especially at a group level, you don't know who's listening and you don't know who um, is taking what you say very literally. Um, and they might be thinking about that for weeks to come and it might have short and long-term effects on their, um, on their mental health. Um, people are extremely impressionable both at a young age um, and as we get older and we know that I mean, there's so many influences at the moment, um, particularly for people that are involved in sports as well. So just be mindful of how we speak to people um, and the language that we use around food, around our bodies um, and around nutrition is, is hugely important. One of the things that we see a lot of um, and more commonly is underfueling. So that's essentially when we don't have the correct amount of energy to meet the needs of our bodies. So even the very basic needs like breathing, like digesting food, um, like keeping our immune system functioning. And then we need our extra energy to support our sports performance. So if we don't have that, we're at risk of underfueling and we're at risk of something called low energy availability. And that can happen at a young age. Um, and while we might not see the short-term effects of that, 
we can certainly see long-term effects of that on say for example bone development and bone health um, and that can be extremely common in female athletes as well as they have hormonal um, fluctuations too um, you can have increased risk of injury and illness as well from underfueling. so all of these things while you might not see them right in front of your face long term they may have implications so it's important that we're just aware of that and mindful of it um, and I suppose one thing that I use is if I if I say something around nutrition I just think back on it or if I say something in general I think back on it and say well how would I feel if someone said that to me so for example if someone said to me oh I was so bad at the weekend I had cake and I had pizza and I had this and that if, if, if I think back and, and I think about really how would that make me feel would that make me feel guilty would it make me feel bad about the choices that I've made then it's likely that what you've said will, will have that influence on someone else so really we want to again nurture a safe environment where it's a very healthy conversation around food um, and that we nurture really um, healthy relationships with food and, and, and with bodies as well yeah and again it, it's just it's it's, it's simple things and simple advice that you're giving people that they can action on. And I think that's, you've done a, a brilliant job of, of deconstructing what's often a complicated subject uh, so far. You've been brilliant with your time. If someone was just tuning in for these last few minutes, what would the main takeaway that you'd like parents and coaches to hear around nutrition, hydration uh, with a young athlete? Great question. Um... I'll try to keep this to the point. I think probably the main thing is that just bring it back to basics and know that everything that you're doing is probably 100% okay. You're doing your best, okay? So I would say that bring it back to basics. Go for a food first approach. Most of the time have healthy, nutritious food if you can. Um, and for the young athlete, have healthy, nutritious food when you can. And then if you are going to make changes, just pick one small thing, just pick one small thing. And that could be something as simple as saying, OK, well, you know what? Last week you probably didn't have um, a substantial snack before you headed to training. You were saying you were feeling a little bit tired this week. Let's make sure you have that snack with you. Um, let's make sure you have a snack with you between when you leave school and when you go to training. Something as simple as that. So I would say pick one really, really small thing, make that change and then you're building on it each week. Don't overcomplicate it for yourself. Um, everyone's busy and, you know, food and nutrition should be something that really complements our lives. It shouldn't be something that causes any stress or anxiety. Um, so just pick one small thing, make a very small change um, and build on that each week. Uh, brilliant advice again, Emma. One small thing. I think we can all, uh, all do that and we, and we can all try and uh, impart that on to any athletes that we're working with. Emma, thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's been fantastic. As I mentioned already, you, you've taken what maybe uh, some people, a, a topic that some people are, are not scared of, but very apprehensive about because they feel they need a huge education in and you've really simplified it and given people some really, really practical examples of how they can uh, support their, their children or athletes. So thank you very much. Not at all. It's been a pleasure and thank you very much for having me. This podcast series has been brought to you by Tesco in partnership with the Camogie Association. Tesco. Every little helps.